Good morning, good morning, Rabbi Welcome to Breakfast in the Class. Breakfast in the Class today is dedicated loving memory and Lilui Nishmat, Faizola ben David Talasazan, sponsored by his family. Alava Shalom. As well, in sponsored and loving memory of uh, Arlene Palak, Alea Shalom, Lilui Nishmat, Hanabat Sarah, sponsored by Marcy and Steve Feldman. Uh, uh, Arlene Palak, Alea Shalom. As well, in loving memory of Ivan Misri, Lilunishmat Hava Batzakia Shalom, sponsored by her son Morris Misri. And as well, Breakfast in the Class, sponsored by Stephen Rappaport, in honor of the early Minyan, which sounds like the name of my new book. No, I'm joking. Okay. <laughs> the early Minyan gets rave reviews from the New York Times. Okay, fine. My friends, okay. Um, this week's parasha is full of many, many, many different mitzvot, many different ideas that are brought down. That, are, that communicate to us um, the way a person behaves. And I thought perhaps if I could, I would focus on one idea that's brought down from the Chida. The Chida writes in his Sefer Petach Enayim Amasech Kiddushim, he says that sometimes a person has a wife that doesn't listen to him. I think as well, sometimes a wife has a husband that doesn't listen to her. Now this is a problem that lots of people suffer from. Suffer from. It's, a very, it's a disease known uh, to most people that have marriages. <laughs> and unfortunately, it's not always so easily solvable. Okay? And he writes a very interesting uh, uh, practice. He says the person comes home to their wife, or the wife comes home to their husband, and they say, listen, you know, um, we really, we're not as strict as we should be with this, with that. We really should be more careful with this or with that. I really, I learned something, I found out. And the spouse always has a million and one answers. All of a sudden, the less religious spouse, they become the biggest Tamil Chacham. Well, I heard that Chacham Baruch's father, father, actually, Chacham Yaakov Kassin writes, <laughs> I, I saw the, the Rishonim, you know. <laughs> they find there's a very amazing uh, rabbi, his name is Harav Rebenu uh, Google HaKadosh that people turn to him in times of need, Rabbi Google, and they try and find the one opinion on the other side of the world that allows them to do whatever it is that they want to do. And all of a sudden, a guy who doesn't know how to read Aleph Bet tells you, well, that's not the opinion of the Maharaj Dam. <laughs> like Rohi, the Maharaj Dam is, an, uh, is a religious leader of the Indian Sikh community. <laughs> you know, it's not going to... I think you mean the Ma, you know... <laughs> And you correct them on the pronunciation of, uh, of what it was, okay? <clears throat> you want to hear a great one, by the way? I once... <laughs> Sorry, I can't. <laughs> I, once sent over, I once sent over an idea, and this guy, obviously, he didn't like what I said, so he went scouring the internet to try and find... <laughs> to try and find a way of disproving me. So he said to me, you know, actually, um, I once heard in a class, he says, I once heard in a class, he didn't want me to know that he Googled it, right? I once heard in a class that uh, they say over in the name of Father, Ma Father Murray. I said, Michila, you're bringing me a proof from, from Father Murray? Who's that? He says, oh yeah, I heard it, Father Murray. And then I realized it clocked and I started laughing. I felt so bad because I was laughing in his face, but it was too funny. What was he quoting? He was quoting the Gemara, says Abba Mari. But it trend, he Google translated the Gemara 
And Abba Mari translates as Father Murray. So he, he's quoting to me an Irish priest, right? And he's trying to say over the Gemara. So sometimes, you know, it doesn't translate. It doesn't say they, they say it's lost in translation. But a lot of times, a person is suffering in a relationship with their wife, with their spouse, or even with their... With, oop, but that was a good save. Or even with their children, that their children don't want to listen to them, you know, and they'll have all the answers in the world why they don't have to do this, why they don't have to do that, why that's not considered Lashon Hara, according to Father Murray, right? And uh, whatever the case might be. And, and a person is thinking all the time, you know, how am I going to get through to my wife? How am I going to get through to my husband? How am I going to get through to my kids? What should I do? They don't want to listen. They don't take Torah seriously. And I found something unbelievable um, from the Chida, which really it blew my mind. He says on the Pasuk in Tehillim, En shalom ba'asamai mipnei hatati. There's no shalom ba'asamai means in my bones, okay? Person, I, I'm not at peace. Mipnei hatati, because of my sins. The Chida translates this Pasuk in Tehillim, he says, what does that mean? When a person finds that they don't have shalom ba'atzamai in his self, you know, a person thinks of themselves initially when you're a single guy. When you say, when you think of yourself, you think just of you. When you get married, you think of you, it's you and your wife. Eventually, the other person says, my family, right? They're mine, my children. In shalom ba'atzamai, says the chida. Why? hatati. We're always looking when we're trying to figure out how to fix our spouses, our children, you know, what are they doing wrong? But we never stop to look for a second and say, wait a second, they're doing the wrong thing? Maybe, maybe the one that needs to do some self-reflection is me, myself. A person sees that their wife or children are not keeping Shabbat properly. So they're thinking all sorts of ways to make them keep Shabbat properly. But actually, if they saw the way you related to Shabbat in a proper way, with kavod, not that you were upset, not that you were to, down to the last minute, then maybe that would be the impact that they need in order to be able to see that things should change. Now, Rabotai, the reason why I'm bringing this down is not um, so that we should be able to look at, uh, at, our, at our situations at home and think to ourselves, you know, it's my fault, it's my fault, it's my fault. What I do want to communicate here is that there is a very high, a very powerful, uh, a very impressive concept that happens with a person when we realize, something very impressive, something very, it's almost life-changing when a person can realize that the deeds that I do between me and myself, things that nobody else knows, that no one else sees, can impact the way other human beings interact with me, when a person realizes that truth, it's something very, it's something, it's life-changing. Because all of a sudden, I'm not only focused on fixing my relationship with you using practical examples of fixing my relationship with you. I fix my relationship with Hashem, and then my relationship with you becomes better. Now let me explain the mechanics of how this works. One way is just to say, actually, I have no idea. No idea why. When I'm, uh, you know, when I'm praying better, all the sudden I shall have shalom by at home. No reason to understand why when I'm doing a mitzvah in the room, I do give tzedakah, all of a sudden 
the kid that doesn't want to talk to me, all of a sudden the kid should talk to me, right? No reason. It's, it's, meta, it's a, one of these metaphysical realities. But I want to share that there's something else as well. You know, when a person um, is in a relationship with someone, and that person is interacting with you in a way that actually you don't appreciate, so one of the ways that you could change the dynamics of that relationship is by trying to change them. But then there's another way to deal with that. There's a way that you change yourself. And the changing of yourself actually doesn't even need to be in this thing. Because the fact that you've changed in one area that has a ripple effect across the whole person's whole being. And then they did this mitzvah and they come and they're like, I don't understand. All of a sudden my wife is being nicer to me. All of a sudden I'm able to get through to my kids. All of a sudden, what, what does this have to do with that? The answer is that when you change the person that they are relating to, suddenly other things fall into place. I'm going to give you an example of, uh, of something that I, uh, a case that I came across quite recently. There was a person who kept coming back to me for, uh, for shalom by advice. The guy said to me, you know, my wife, I get respect from everyone in the world. My wife doesn't respect me. I said, does she love you? He said, yes, she loves me. But she doesn't respect me. What can I do to get her to respect me? So we sat, we talked a few different things that maybe would help his wife respect him. Well, this is an amazing story, actually. I mean, I, even now I'm thinking about it, I got goosebumps. Um, a couple weeks later, after our conversation, I like to try and follow up, you know? And, but it's a little bit of a challenge when you're a rabbi to try and follow up on a guy's problems. You know why? So on the one hand, you want to know if things, you're praying for the guy, you feel for them. Pray, you, know, you, know, you don't only want to get the bad news. Why? Well, people ask me, Rabbi, how come your stomach is always hurting you? You know why? Because people only give me their problems. <laughs> right? So I got my problems and I got your problems. I need a lot of tums. Okay? You understand? Yeah. So sometimes I let you want to find out. But just because I want to find out, just because I want to be more at ease, does that give me the right? A person moved on from a big fight, from a big trauma. I'm going to go up to the guy and be like, oh, how's your uh, broken marriage doing? You know? How's that issue with your kids? How's your problem with the guy? He's like, I finally forgot about it. He self-medicated with two bottles of alcohol to get away from it. And now you got to bring it up to him in shul, right? Yeah. So it's sometimes it's, anyway, I didn't, I, so sometimes what I'll do is I'll look for the guy. And instead of asking him, how's the problem with the business, right? What's happening with, the, with the, your wife, Izevel, right? Well, I don't go, I go to the guy and I say, listen, Rahi, you know, how's everything? How's it going? I leave it open-ended. The guy says, oh, Baruch Hashem. He leaves it. I don't know what the answer is. Baruch Hashem is the most non-committal two words. <laughs> so this Baruch Hashem means, I'm in a rush. I don't have time to tell you everything. <laughs> right? But sometimes, the person will tell me, Rabbi, Baruch Hashem, you don't know this. And the guy says to me, you know what? You don't understand everything. I said, oh, did you try some of the things that we spoke about? He said, no, Rabbi. It just got better without any of your advice which always makes me feel good, right? <laughs> I said, it got better without the advice? Fantastic. I said, tell me what you did, what you tried, so that I could add it to my list of, uh, of advice to give. But listen to what this man told me. The man told me, he says, I was struggling at home with this issue. My wife didn't respect me. I didn't know what to do. I had all these ideas that you gave me, but 
you know, they, a lot of them, they were a little bit difficult for me. They demanded from me, you know, a little bit of uh, hard work, of humility, of this, of that. He says, so I kept pushing it off. One day, two days, three days. He says, and then someone came to me in the office. One of the younger guys who has just got married. And he came to me and he starts telling me, you'll never believe it, Rabbi. He says, I don't know what to do. I'm newly married. I don't feel like I could talk to my parents about this. But, you know, the boss was like a mentor to him. So he says, maybe you could help me. He says, my wife, you know, she's great. I love her. She loves me. But I don't know what to do. She doesn't respect me. The guy says, it was all I could do to not burst out laughing that he's coming to ask me this question when the beginning of that week I was in your office asking you the same question for myself. So he says, so I sat down and I had the conversation that you had with me, I had with him. I was like, oh, Baruch Hashem, my advice didn't go into the toilet. <laughs> I said, How is, how's his marriage doing? He says, his marriage, he said, it's also got, it got better, it's improving. I said, Baruch Hashem. Listen what happened, Rabotai. But the guy got home, and all of a sudden, magically, he got, he said, the more time I spent that week with that guy, the first day, it was better. Second day, another, I spent another half hour with him, better. Third day, another half hour, better. And I suddenly realized something so special. Haddad doesn't realize that you know why he didn't need help fixing his marriage? Okay, we could say metaphysical. He's helping someone else, a zechut, a god. It's true. Oh, that's true. But I think there's something else. You're sitting there giving a husband advice about how to relate to his wife. What happens to you? You learn yourself. Now, you didn't consciously do something different. But when you're sitting there trying to help someone understand someone else, what happens in your brain? You become also a person who's less recalcitrant. You become a person who's less demanding. You become a person who's a little bit more flexible because you know what? You're giving all this advice out. You start to realize the wisdom that you gave someone else is relevant to you. Where do we find this idea? <clears throat> David HaMelech makes a mistake. Natan Navi comes to David HaMelech and he wants to tell David off for the mistake that he made. But instead of telling David, you did this wrong, you did that wrong, you did this wrong, you did that wrong, what does he tell David Amelech? He says, you know, you're the king, you're the judge, I have a court case. Gives him a whole court case about this guy with sheep, rich guy with sheep, a poor guy has one sheep, the rich guy takes the one sheep of the poor guy. David Amelech says, wow, this guy's wrong, he's in the wrong. Right away he rules against the rich guy. Natan Avi says to David Amelech, you're the rich guy. David Amir says, Khatati. What do we see from here? That actually, had Natan Navi come to David and said, what you're doing is wrong, it wouldn't have worked. Why? Because it didn't give the person the ability to take his issue, put it on someone else, see how it fits on the other guy, right? I had once a lady came up to me in a department store. She says, my husband's about your size. Would you try in this jacket? First of all, I felt bad for the husband. <laughs> Number one, his wife was buying him all his clothes. Number two, right, it was the ugliest jacket I ever saw in my life. So I said, look, I don't know, I'm not your husband, but if I were you, I would want any other jacket but this jacket. It looked like literally someone had thrown up on a jacket and they forgot to clean it up. It was like brown swirls, it was horrible, right? She says, sir, I'm only asking you for size. 
that's a New York, by the way, that's a New Yorker, right? You know, can I, can I try it? I don't know if he would like it. I'm not, you know, I'm just offering you, I didn't ask for your opinion, I just asked for your shoulders, you know. <laughs> he said, I put on the jacket, right? Okay, you know, so I'm, I, I, this is, I, I felt bad for the guy. But when you see what this jacket looks like on someone who looks like you, you know what that looks like on you, okay? And then you don't have all your own defense mechanisms sitting over there because a person can, that's what the, the chida I think is telling us with this concept. Many times a person is able to solve the problems that they have of en shalom ba'atzamai by looking at chatati, by looking at your own mistakes. Rabotai, I want to just end with this one idea. You know, um, I found this, the, 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 uh, there's a beautiful mitzvah in this week's parasha. It tells us about having a, a shor and a hamor, right? About the plowing of different animals together, right? And you're not supposed to use these two animals and use them together to plow a, a field. And the Torah tells us, our Chachamim explained, that why can't you have a hamor and a shor plowing together? What's the reason? What's the isur? So you first you think, I don't know, kilayim, it's like it's actually set over there in the same area, right? It's like mixing two things. Chachamim say no. The chamor, it's not a kosher animal. It doesn't chew its cud. He's sat there together, pulling this load, attached by the yoke to the, to the, to the plow. He shoots, looks over, he shoots, what you this shor. I got fed an hour ago. This guy got fed an hour ago and 40 minutes ago and 20 minutes ago and had that still eating. Meanwhile, what's the shor doing? He's chewing his cud. It's not new food. It's the same food that he and the chamor got fed, right? But he's eating it again and again and again. Says the pasuk, don't put the chamor and the shor together. You know why? Because it causes pain for the chamor. Okay? First of all, everyone looks at this pasuk and you see? Wow, look at the sensitivity of the Torah. And by the way, they're right to say that. But I, I had a little bit of a different lesson here. My lesson is, you're looking at someone else's food, you're a hamor. You got it? You're looking if the guy has what you don't have, hamor. Only a hamor, only a stubborn person decides if they should be happy with what they have based on somebody else. A lot of times when we're upset at our wife or children or upset with the people that we love or the people we're in relationships with for not being more like what we want them to be, we think we're being reasonable and they're being uh, animals. But actually, I'm the hamor. I'm the hamor that looked at someone else's wife and see the way, sees the way that she does this or she does that. Now I'm asking my wife for it. I see this guy's kids, how they go to school and they do this and they do that, but those kids are not your kids. Those kids don't have the same uh, challenges in reading or processing as your kids. Those kids don't have the same uh, behavioral issues as your kids. What? It's only a chamor that tries to decide if its life is good based on the life of the person he's sitting, he's working next to uh, with the yoke on his back, you know? And unfortunately, if a person would have the patience they'd realize that almost always all the things that they wish for in their own family, you know what they say? Be careful what you wish for. Your kids are coming home with letters from the, from the, why can't you listen like all the other kids? It's the kid that doesn't listen, 
that goes out into the business world and doesn't take no for an answer and builds his own company. That's the kid that's successful as a leader because he doesn't listen when other people say it can't be done. The same way he didn't listen in school when they told him to sit down. You want the other person's wife, she listens to everything he says. Then you come home to your wife and you know, and you finally made the wife like the other guy's wife and now she has no opinion. She has no backbone. She can't stand up for herself. She needs you to do everything for her because you kept telling her that the docile wife of the other guy who listens to everything he says, she never has an opinion. She's the biggest yes woman in the world. It looks convenient, but actually it also takes away all the other things that actually you were quite enjoying but didn't notice because you were busy noticing the eating schedule of the short next to you. Hamor. Hamor. Rabotai, you know what the answer to a hamor is? You take the letters of the word hamor and you turn it around, it spells the word, same word hamor is the word rahem. It means to have a merciful outlook. Instead of constantly looking at the person, right? And saying, what's it called? That's terrible, right? What do you do instead? You instead, you take a merciful approach. And the person, the hamor who takes, rahem takes a merciful approach. You know what he's left with? He's left with machar, like the same letters again. He's left with another day, a future in that relationship. He's left with an ability to turn over another page, to have another opportunity. You're blessed with another day. A person who doesn't have that, like they say, the last three letters is haram. <laughs> so you have a couple of options here. You want mahar or you want haram? Haram means if only, shame. You know, we should be zocheh to take uh, this outlook when we look at the people around us and then suddenly we'll notice that like this guy, magically, his relationship, there was air quotes for those of you listening in audio, magically his, his marriage is getting better. He didn't do anything, he didn't take any advice, but he didn't realize that he was subtly changing himself by every day looking at this guy with his problems, with his wife and telling him, you need to be more understanding. And he became more understanding. You need to see her from her point of view. And he started seeing it from things from her point of view. And slowly but surely, the person saved his marriage, he saved his family, uh, and he saved his own peace of mind. Baruch Adonai Amen ve'amen.